Good afternoon, everybody. It's another day on Colin. It's astrology with Sicily. And today's topic is Astrologica and its origins. Astrological and its origins. Now, I really love the history of astrology because it was so closely tied to astronomy. And my co-host is here today. Is here. But yes, it's a dive into astrology and its meanings in this day and where a lot of it came from. So y'all know I like to start with the co-star reading of the day. Give me a minute to get that set up. But there is a a long history of astrology and astronomy being one and the same. And in a lot of languages and a lot of studies, we have Basically, those terms were used interchangeably. And an interesting note I had to do a little bit of research on was in ancient Babylonia. They practice astronomy with astrologers. Astrologers were considered the predictors of these events by mathematical uses, and astrologers were the interpreters for the normal man. And it's kind of like you have this big gap between the two as if they're not really close. When in history for about 200 years, they were right there together. It's like they're right there together. The same thing, just two different versions, right? The uh, war... Like I think we were talking before offline that one is uh, like the the astrologers or sort of like the science fiction or I mean sorry not science fiction the science communicators to bring that knowledge and distill it down for the lay people who maybe were illiterate or didn't have access to being in in temples all their lives. Yes, because there was a specific type of person that was allowed to study astronomy. You had to already be proven as smart, and if you have a time period where people couldn't even read you needed somebody to interpret the message and make it just understandable enough for other people to get it mm. it's important so it's considered a divination practice but it's a divination of astrology which i don't really quite agree with it's like an explanation of astronomy mm. in a, in terms that a lot of people can get. We had a, a person pop in yesterday saying that astrology was asses for the masses. And I'm like, well, in one, you're not wrong. The delivery's fucked up, but the it is for the masses. It's for the regular people in the world that just need insight on how to enlighten themselves. Because another aspect that people tend to look at as astrology or astronomy is the kundalini effect where we're going from the base of the body up to 
the top of the body and it's coming out through our Merkaba and all out in our aura and we just have this aura around us. That's a heliocentric type of view of the human body. You know what else is heliocentric? Hmm. Astrology. Yes. And it was funny that the astronomer priests had to speak with the astrologers so they could do the ceremonies that people call divinations. And they say they have no validity to it, but it's a science that is valuable. Like, I thought science was supposed to be be able to be proven wrong. And it's like the more we learn about the universe, the more we've proven ourselves wrong about it. It's like the more yeah. you know, you don't know. Mm. Yeah, the more you know. And some people, the more they know, they start to realize the more the what they don't know because of that increased knowledge it happens to me all the time I, I start learning and understanding more things and, and then i say wow if i'm here imagine just how much i do not know at all correct and it's like we try to scramble for knowledge and disprove other people's beliefs and what they want to know and what they think they know when in reality, we can kind of exist without disproving each other. Like the world yeah. won't end if we don't all believe the same thing. I, I haven't seen it yet. And another quick fact in Latin, the word that I have, astrologica, mm -hmm. in Latin, it applies to astronomy and astrology. They used to be two sides of the same coin up until the 18th century. They're both based on geometry and numbers. One just has more layman terms in it. Yeah. And that's considered mystical in our day and time. But we got to look at the language of the people that were creating this system. They didn't have the language we have right now. So they had to use whatever principle they could to distribute this knowledge of Oh, we have an eclipse going on next week. So you may feel a spiritual significance or you may just feel fear because you can't see the sun type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's something used to calm the masses. Like Aristotle accepted the heliocentric model, but Ptolemy added the epicycles to explain retrogrades mm, yep the epicycles and they all and then plato's and plato's school of thought because plato came first and then it was ptolemy but plato's school of thought taught astrology as the layman terms to astronomy so it was taught as a way to teach people that weren't quite so high up on the levels. Hmm. Almost like science fiction communication. The science itself being communicated down to regular people. And there is this grand poobah attitude with science as a belief versus a system and astrology as a belief versus it just being a system of communication. A way to convey ideas that people may not get in their normal sense, or they just may not have studied 50 years worth of astrology or astronomy. 
But another fact about Plato's school, he promoted astronomy and astrology or astrologica as a part of philosophy. That was that's what it was taught with. It was an accompaniment to philosophy. Mm. But, so wait, wait, what was a, an accompaniment to philosophy? Astrologica. Okay. So they would use both as a component to explain philosophy. It's used to speak to regular people. Because what good is knowledge of astronomy if you cannot communicate it with regular people? It just doesn't make sense sometimes. Mm. Now... The interesting part is the criticism of astrology came from the Hellenistic philosophers. They, but the crazy part was, you remember how we were talking about nomenclature and the etymology of words? Yeah. They used astrologica and astronomica interchangeably, but they talked shit about astrologica, astrology. Mm. So they still use the same header, astrologica, but they added astronomica and they were using the terms interchangeably against the philosophies that they had. Now, why were they talking smack about it? Because it was too spiritual and they had gotten to the point where science had ruled all. Because this was right after the famous philosopher ran through the street screaming, God is dead and we have killed him, talking about scientists. Mm. We were in that political era of, oh, mysticism shall be replaced by science. Mm. But a lot of mysticism and spirituality was used just to help people get through that couldn't understand these. The science. Yeah. Because of math. Because of math. And they weren't teaching people math on a mass scale. Yeah. The only math a blacksmith knew was the amount of iron to add to it to make a good sword. The yeah. only math a baker knew was the measurements to make the bread rise. Right. So. Right. They were they were given the formulas rather than having to work them out for themselves. So they weren't having to do the calculations or learn them. Right. It was passed on knowledge orally. If your mom was a, a baker, you'd probably be a baker. Daddy was a blacksmith. You'd probably be a blacksmith. That's where a lot of the names like Smith in America. Yes. So if you were a blacksmith that your last Goldsmith. Yeah, Goldsmith or Baker. There's even Silversmith. Silversmith. They work with silver. Writer yeah. or Wright. Your last name would be Wright. Mm-hmm. Writer. So a lot of these things were just passed on through teaching and there wasn't a written Thing for it. it was like oral history. A lot of our history is lost. Apprenticeship, that that too. Because the apprenticeships were used to teach young people how to do said task. The only people that had books on hand in these time periods were the scribes. And they were just somewhere translating in the mountains because paper back then or a papyrus reed or cannabis reed paper was very temperamental and volatile. It would break down if it's exposed to water or heat. So they would be up in the mountains where it's cool 
keeping these books and records alive and transcribing from multiple languages. There were very few people in that time that knew multiple languages. And if you're just joining in, how you doing? We're talking about a little bit of the history of astrology and the hijack of where it became a pseudoscience versus a language. And the point I've been making is that astronomy and astrology have been used in under the umbrella of astrologica, the Latin term, and they have been used interchangeably up until the 18th century when the political powers change and they want it to be monotheistic. So with monotheistic religions, everything becomes occult knowledge. So from then on out, astrology was kind of fair weather, depending on what ruling power was there. So if the royals at the time studied math and science, they believed in astrology and astronomy. If they only believed in one God, it was like, okay, astronomy is real, but astrology goes out the window. We don't have to teach people this anymore. This is now known as secret knowledge. Even though it has the same mathematical principles, it's right. based on degrees. If you look at a birth oh, chart. Right. So, so like you, you look at astrology is more um, degrees, which, which is something that's more based in geometry, but a very watered down geometry. Right. It was the baby geometry before the people that could not understand math. So if you showed them a magnifying glass and you widen the angle or change the convex of the lens, it was an easy way to demonstrate what the stars were doing at the time. And it's like one of the oldest tracking systems. One of the oldest tracking systems in the world. And it boiled down to the modern day almanac. That's how I found astrology because that old language persisted throughout the recordings of weather. And as a farmer, I started looking at weather and I was like, okay, it rains 80% of the time for the past 200 years in this location on this day. That's pretty valid knowledge. The tides come in at exactly this time of day, every day. Mm. We have high tide and low tide. And then Aristotle and his crew developed the theory about how the moon controls the tides by astronomy. In astrology, we say the moon controls the emotional body. Because water is fluid. Emotions are fluid. They can change throughout the day. So that fluidity was a way to explain it to regular people. Like, oh, there is a distinct gravitational pull of about 1,500 square feet per square inch. No normal person at that time could understand that. Hmm. Right. Well, I mean, they could, but they just weren't taught it. They didn't spend any time doing it. Right. So therefore, that's, that's the reason why I couldn't, because they just weren't given that. I mean, that's just so crazy. You know, it's such a simple thing to understand, you know, for me. To, I get that. It's just it's just so crazy that that's the one thing that's limiting people's knowledge base is simply um, 
They're just not being taught. They're being kept out of the loom. Yes. The astronomer priests were considered astronomer priests. Holy yeah. man. The astrologer priests were considered holy men, and that knowledge was only for a select few. It was gatekept. And when a new ruling power came in that didn't believe in what everyone was teaching, they would burn the books. Hmm. Like how they say they burned the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. All of that knowledge, all of that history, they burned the library and killed the priests that knew all the knowledge. So nobody was left to teach it. So they implemented their own systems. It's quite interesting how history is written by the victors. Yes, it definitely is written by them and them alone. Yeah, because if you lo you're on the losing side, you get erased from history. And astrology or, was on or, or demonized. Yes. Because the way people like, call, yeah. they call astrological knowledge, occult knowledge. Yeah, which just basically means hidden in the dark. And the only reason it was hidden in the dark was because people, um, the, the ruling party at the time, a political party, demonized it. Yeah. I find it interesting how history can only be recorded by those that can keep records and those that survive long enough yeah um, if the people that know the knowledge and the originals that know that these terms are interchangeable die off there's nobody to keep teaching it it's like absolutely nobody to keep teaching it there's no teaching of it left unless it's oral history passed down and when a new religion came about, those people were destroyed. Hmm. Another quick note I'd like to add is before Isaac Newton, all scientists were trained, like all of the greats were trained in astrologica, not just astronomy. Isaac was the first to just be like, oh, astronomy only. What do you mean, like Isaac Newton? Mm-hmm. Sir Isaac mm -hmm. Newton. And Sir Francis Bacon tried to outlaw astrology and prove it wrong. So wait, wait, who tried to? Sir Francis Bacon. Oh, Francis Bacon. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was that hijack in the 1800s where everybody was trying to be on the cutting edge of science and not explaining things through prose. And then we got... But I didn't understand why everybody was gung-ho on science, but still using the Bible. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> and astrology is mentioned in the Bible. Astrology and astronomy, astrological as a whole, was mentioned in the Bible. Just like healing crystals and yeah. all other forms of occult knowledge that we have demonized to this day. When I watch um, Catholic ceremonies where they walk around burning herbs and swinging them, it reminds me of the divination, pro but what they would do before divination processes. It's the same type of vibe. 
it's the same type of usefulness. People would burn sage and other purifying herbs using the word purifier because the word astringent wouldn't make sense to people that weren't well read. Because sage kills 98% of bacteria in the air. So native people would sage and burn these herbs because they were purifying. That was just the word that was used at the time. They were really disinfecting the air. And if you burn sage in an enclosed space and then come back and test the air quality again, it'll stay clean for about a week. So those, the miasma and the demons, so to speak, that cause diseases are usually caused by bacteria. Like how they said there was a miasma in Great Britain for a long period of time, and that's what made people sick. But what was really making them sick was drinking out of the same water source that they threw their fecal matter into. and they. Oh, God. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was the miasma. It was a bacteria colony from fecal matter that would give people cholera and all types of stomach bugs because they were pooping, not bathing, and just throwing all manner of shit into the same water that they were drinking. That's why... Now, how did they think that that was okay? Because the knowledge that was used to purify and cleanse things was now occult knowledge. It was all about science and astronomy, not astrology. The story of Chiron, the wounded healer, shows about purification and getting rid of things. When you burn certain herbs or you burn water or boil water, you kill off the bacteria, you would kill off the miasma. But without that knowledge that was now considered hidden, people really got sick. And stayed sick. The infant mortality rate ran through the roof. Like through the roof. Without astrological knowledge. Because it used to be. Like in the old farmer's almanac that we use today. It uses the same type of language where they say this day is good for exterminating vermin. Or this time of year is good for doing this practice or this is a good harvest practice based on where the sun is in the sky. When the sun is further away and the fruits realize it's time to drop seeds, that's when we get fruit like berries. They grow all summer long and then when the winter time comes, they drop their fruit. That's when we knew to harvest fruit around Virgo season, September. As early as Leo. Hmm. Leo is the end of August. And then you have October. Considered the eighth month. That was a time of harvest. So the fall is harvest time. The winter was the point that we would. Store up our food for the spring. That's why we have the winter equinox. The shortest day of the year. It will be about, this year, I think it was about seven hours and 30 minutes of sunlight at the winter equinox. Mm. So, 
the summer equinox is in Leo. That's when the sun is the closest in the region. And it differentiates for different points of the world. Like the southern hemisphere is reversed. It's hot during the wintertime in America and cold during the summertime just by the tilt of the earth. Yes. Like how close we are to the sun because we move in an elliptical. We use a perfect circle in astrology so we can draw it out at 30 degrees so it's easier to digest for people. But it's an elliptical. Some pieces are longer straight shots versus those tighter turns. That's why it may look like planets are moving backwards, but in reality, they're just on the opposite side of the elliptical. Hmm. So we're spinning, the planets are spinning, and everything is moving in an elliptical pattern. It's going to look like one planet has stopped moving because it has a very slow cycle around its elliptical. That's how Pluto got um, categorized as not being a planet because it took it 284 years to go around the sun. They want to call it an asteroid. Yes, they want to call it an asteroid because it took so long. But as soon as they categorized it as not being a planet, it finally circled around the sun. And Pluto is considered the planet of transformation. And it has around a 200 to 300 year cycle. And one thing I like to note that people, places, and things have birth charts, right? Mm. America, the United States, is coming up on its Pluto return if it has not already happened. And that's why we saw a lot of destabilization and a lot of effects of COVID. Transformations of systems that were the once there. But if I try to explain that in astronomer terms to regular people, it's like speaking in a separate language. But using astrology, saying that Pluto rules Scorpio and it has a very slow moving path. So transformations take a long time and the place itself may destabilize, but the circle will be over after a while type thing. Doesn't that seem a little more digestible to people that have no astronomy knowledge? Yeah. That's what Astrologica does. It speaks to people in a language that they can understand, and it persists throughout most languages in this world. Like Even our days of the week are structured around the planets, no matter what mythology you hear from, like even in Norse mythology, Greek Mm -hmm. mythology, American Native mythology. It's all the days of the week. Yeah. Each one, like Monday is moon day. Yes. Saturday day. Sunday is the day of the sun. Mm -hmm. It's like layman terms for these big complex things. Like, yes, we have 24 hours in a day and it's divided by blah, blah, blah. And I could go on and on and on trying to explain this to somebody that doesn't speak the language. So why not have a sister within the same realm that's a lot simpler to understand for other people? I take it. Yeah, that's why I love astrology. I am a science communicator. Just like it is pieces of 
the world. Like we have the Tropic of Capricorn, which is higher up and in a colder region than the Tropic of Cancer, which more closely related to the equator. And if you're supposed to be in the Tropic of Cancer and you live in the Tropic of Capricorn, you can get seasonal affective disorder because there's not enough sunlight for your body to digest your vitamin D. And if you can't get vitamin D, you can't break down calcium. So you can have deficiencies in these essential nutrients that can make you feel sick. When in all actuality, the sickness is in the location, not in the person. You know, that's um, part of the, the, um, the point of my, uh, um, the paper that I wrote. Yeah, I remember that. The um, the uh, correlations with ast- with astrology. Um, I talked about seasonal affective disorder, the perihelion, aphelion, um, and how circadian rhythms and all of that. That's the, that's pretty much exactly the same point of the paper. And when you get a chance, you should look at it in depth, or I'll do a talk about it sometimes. But Definitely got to take an in-depth look at it. And you're using it as just communicating research and data. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. I was like, oh, well, this just looks like um, uh, uh, basically it's observed correlations. And that was the whole point. And that's what astrology is, observed correlations in the personalities and patterns of people. It's not really a belief system. It's not about telling people that this is set in stone. This is how you're going to be. It's more along the lines of, hey, this is a pattern that we have seen with people. And when they move from this location, they feel better. Hmm. How certain signs are prone to different types of illnesses. This is just a correlation of data. It's not, it's like research. Of course, there will be anomalies in research where there's no correlation to this person and this chart. But for the masses in speaking, Aries rules the head. Aries people are prone to being clumsy and falling over and hitting their head. That's a correlation of time, not necessarily, well, not a correlation of time, a correlation of people versus a 100% fact. People who have open sixth house placements can be prone to illnesses because they have an affection of that planet or a defect in that planet. How people in, if you have sixth house Virgo, they tend to be drawn to the medical field in one way or another, depending on the other aspects of the chart. It's just a way of explaining things that people don't often see. It's like looking at data graphs because you can layer birth charts over maps other people's charts, other places' charts. You may be having an incompatibility with the place you live in based on longitude and latitude 
because it doesn't correlate to your chart. It creates a square of 30 degrees exactly or 90 degrees exactly or 180 degrees, which is called the opposition. And that's where you have to make a choice. Do you stay or do you move? Hmm. <clears throat> do I stay or do I go? <laughs> that's the vibe, though. And that's pretty... I like to get in depth with it because it's one of my passions. I love it. And I does I don't really think it hurts anybody to know a little bit of knowledge about a fingerprint test kind of thing. It's like any other test you would take yeah. or any other information you would put in and get a reading from. Yeah. It's an explanation system, not a definite, this is exactly what it is. If you want to know exactly what it is, you study astronomy and astrology together. Well, that's uh, the point where I'm about to get to, is studying both of them together. Because I've started to see, um, especially with, you know, Redshift, um like these things are i'm 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 fascinated by the the um the you know astronomy in general i just never really looked at because i was i've been brainwashed by how um you know how much astrology is supposed to be a pseudoscience yeah you know it has no validity because it's a pseudoscience, but I thought science was tracking data and making comparisons and finding aha moments in it. That's just what astrology does. Right. That's true. It has the correlations to the stars and the maps. And so many historical monuments were built under certain astrological constellations. Like the Sphinx at one point in time was directly up under the sign of Leo. And a lot of people mm. that want to discredit astrology always leave out the argument of tectonic plate shifts the movement of our planet, the shifting of the universe, which is all explained in astronomy. Hmm. But it's always been divisive. Well, since the 1800s, it's been divisive. It's like Wait, say that one more time. Since the 1800s, it's been divisive. They've divided. Hmm. Oh, right, because that's when they started talking smack about astrology mm -hmm. saying mm -hmm. that they had no significance because they were so highly educated but what about for the regular person mm. what about the regular person that's just having a tough time in their love life so we would look at an astrological chart and see where their lines layered together and if they had oppositions oppositions calls for distinctly difficult relationships so 
if you don't know what's going on in the stars and you're having a difficulty, you can consult the stars for a little while. I'm like, oh, okay. I see where I can work this out because they always give advice. They don't give definite you should do. Nothing in there says that you should be doing this. This is just suggestions for this situation. Mm. It gives insight. It shines a light on pieces that people don't often see about themselves. I'll give an example. Like the 12th house. And I talk about the 12th house a lot because it's one of the houses that has been demonized a lot. Because it is the house of occult knowledge, insane asylums, institutions, and hospitals. But the 6th house is about the medical profession. So if you have a 12th house placement, you may do just as well in the medical profession as someone in the sixth house, but the knowledge itself will be hidden. The things that you know will be old knowledge or seem insane because it's not science. And people with prominent 12th house placements are good at deciphering hidden knowledge. They like the class of scribes. And when we look at charts, some people have open houses or missing planets. But where there's missing planets and open houses, you get this idea that the original ruler of that house is there unless said otherwise so say for instance you don't have any scorpio placements or pisces placements so you have an open 12th house that will still be ruled by pluto and pluto is the house of transformation the darkness before dawn all of the dark places so to speak But if you go into the 12th house and study in the 12th house with knowledge of astrology, yeah, it makes it easier to navigate it without feeling so stuck and confined. It's like breaking away from confinement with knowledge. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> you know what I want to do real quick yeah. since we have this space? I want to um, I want to take a look at some of the things so you can hear um, for yourself uh, what exactly is um, in that uh, that article so you can listen to the beginning of it. What do you think? Absolutely, let's hear it. So it's um, it was published on April first, <laughs> April Fool's Day, right, two thousand and twelve. <laughs> Um, called uh, hypnoathletics possible. Right, that's the first word. Possible geophysical and hypnotic influences on observed correlations in astrology. And so, um, it says astrology has been a divination tool used for thousands of years by many cultures around the world. It is a system that claims to predict an individual's personality characteristics and life events. 
Um, now, remember, wrote in 2012. I don't have the updated information that I have now, so keep that in mind. When I said right. claims okay. to uh, predict an individual's personality characteristics and life events. Astrology bases its predictions on the positions of the sun, moon, and other planetary objects at the time a person is born. These predictions about a person's life divine through astrology are most likely based on collecting observations of personality traits associated with the time of birth. I thought it would be interesting to look into what astrology's predictions might have to do with a unique combination of the intensity of sunlight, temperature, latitude, either north of, south of, or on the equator, and whether it is day or night when one is born. It is no far stretch of the imagination to think that seasonal changes and variations in sunlight may have significant effects on personality and behavior. In fact, there is a diagnosis that can be made of certain individuals called seasonal affective disorder, SAD, or SAD. SAD is more commonly experienced by women than men and in areas that have longer winters and less yearly sunlight. In addition to this, behavioral, physical, and mental changes have been studied in response to changes in environmental light and darkness, biological clocks, and circadian rhythms in the science of chronobiology. As you may know, the sun is a star. The word astro is related to the Greek word aster, which means star. And in the context of my hypothesis then, this study is still astrology in the most literal sense of the word, because I'm studying the effects of a star, our sun, and its effects on human behavior, the suffix ology being a branch of knowledge, study, or science. Another major component of this project is hypnosis, or the study of the hypnotic power of suggestion. As a clinical hypnotist, I've been researching and apl applying the power of suggestion to resolve many problems that I am presented with. Hypnotic suggestions have proven to be very powerful influencers of belief systems and human behavior. So that was the intro to that. What do you think? I think it's pretty spot on. The literal study of a star and its effects on human behavior. That that sounds pretty much close to what I believe astrology is. It's a study. And with hypnotic suggestions, as we were talking earlier about the history and its origins, the suggestion that it was evil swayed an entire population to stop studying it, stop speaking on it. Mm. It also sways people nowadays into believing that it is a pseudoscience instead of a branch of science that was taught to the masses. Mm -hmm. Unlike astronomy, which was only taught to a select few, a select elected few. And there was a correlation that life path sevens were taken out of normal society and placed in monetary, monasteries to be scribes. So they were the only ones selected to read and learn these languages. So if no one else can read because it's not being taught, how do we speak to the masses? How do we get people to go to war? It's a suggestion. Mm. One of the things I learned about the art of war before any war was raged, they would bring out the priests and divination 
to inspire the people to move to action. So a lot of times they would plan their war paths along the stars. So you would have a, say for instance, they wanted to go to war and there was a lunar eclipse coming that they deciphered by astronomy. They would take the astrologer priest and allow him to translate for the regular people. And it would be like, well, when the moon moves in front of the stars, we must take action to destroy our enemies. 20 minutes later or 20 minutes into the ceremony, the moon moves in front of the sun and blacks it out. So now everyone is like, yeah, let's go destroy our enemies. We've given a sign of God. Suggestion. Yeah. Yep. Suggestions. A lot of suggestion. <clears throat> well, that's why I know exactly my my whole point is that there's a lot of you know hypnotic suggestion going on with these with these different um, belief systems, and that's all it is. But man, I freaked out like a bunch of people at <laughs> at the coffee shop just now. They were. There's this lady in front of me. I didn't realize until afterwards she had a Bible. And she was taking notes out of a Bible mm. as I was giving that talk <laughs> on, on um, wisdom. And, and you know, the way my voice was so confident and in fact, and I was speaking in this way, and I was talking very, con- very assertively. <laughs> right. And my... my I, very strong in the way that I was saying things about the religion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which but I is thought a- I was fair. I didn't dismiss it. Right. You listened and you made your points and allowed the other person to make their points, but you didn't have to come to a point of agreeance. Right. A lot of times in modern society, we feel like everyone should agree with us. Like I don't expect anybody to agree with me on astrology knowledge, but I can give facts and historical evidence of where it came from. Right. Nobody has to agree about it. It can just be, oh, well, this is a database of knowledge that served through history. That's it. And you can continue to believe what you want to believe. It has very, it's, I would call it astronomy for dummies, but that would be watering it down too far. It's astronomy plus mythical folklore. Well, actually, no, we don't even know if this was folklore. It may have been historically accurate at the time with their only descriptions. Oh, I have a caller. Come on up, Brady. Brady. I'll let him up. There he goes. Hey, Mike, people. We're talking about some cool stuff today, finally. What's going on? (laughs) Co-star reading. Oh, man, I had a good co-star reading the other night. We got to add each other up on co-star. Absolutely. I love it. Let's see see what mine is. Let's see what mine says today. Right? That's what we're doing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So it says, consider going the same seminars as your intellectual heroes. 
wow, it's finally changed at the top. Um, I've been waiting for that to change for a while. For a long time, it said, like, be careful who your friends are, something like that. Um, how much do you really want to get to know them was the advice it was giving me. Now it's changed to consider going to the same seminars as your intellectual heroes. Fucking fantastic advice. Who are some of your intellectual heroes? Oh, Dr. Cornell West. Recently today, Peter hosted a podcast. And Peter showed, he exemplified respect so well. And um, not just respect, but integrity. And um, wisdom. And all this like peace and harmony and the ability to heal. The guy is just a total um, guru to me at this point. Like I, I, I'm totally inspired, and Peter. Um, Peter. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, I learned a lot from Peter today. He hosted a room. Who's oh, and, he's on call. Uh, Hakeem no, as well. Hakeem is one of my uh, teachers as well. Is hugely inspiring to me as well, especially in the regards of starting my own dojo. It's been a <laughs> dream of mine for a while. So Peter's a guy. So he's Peter's on Colin. Uh -huh, yeah, he hosts the room every Sunday. You should totally try to okay. check it if you can. Sunday mornings, he hosts the room. And it's like church, dude. It's so good. But he posted it up. It's up there today. You can check it out. And um, it was a good one. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> uh, good for two reasons. It was, uh, well, I don't want to get too sidetracked. Um, we'll, we'll go back to the astrology aspect. Uh, today it says do hot water, houseplants, and sugar crumbs or sugar scrubs. It says, don't do irony, small spaces, and three-second rule. <laughs> I love it. I think that it says, for you, home is in your own head. And then uh, the advice I got yesterday was, uh, go hook up with somebody you already know. <laughs> yeah. Don't take a shower. I was like, what the fuck is this, dude? Damn, it was like coming at me like slutty yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> There was a Venus transition for you. It was either Venus or a Mercury transition. Because when they talk about friendships, that's an 11th house aspect. Uh -huh. And when we talk about friendships and communicating with friends and choosing friends, we look at the boundaries of Saturn's, which is the limits and realism, versus Mercury, the planet of quick moving communications. But if it's telling you to do sugar scrubs today, that's definitely a Venus aspecting the moon. Right on. The moon has been affecting me heavy. I went out to a full moon drum circle party. Such good vibes, man. Just had an absolute good time. I don't know if it was because the moon was in cancer or what, but it was one of the best parties they've ever had out there. Um, and, um, I, I, I've spent the next day recovering, but stayed up all late last night until like four o'clock in the morning, finally went to sleep. I think it's just full moon. Just got some crazy vibes going on. Well, the moon is in full moon in cancer. So it's at cancer. its home placement. So the home placement. So what does the moon in cancer mean? Moon in cancer is like the emotional state. If, as long as your Mercury, Venus, or Mars aren't aspecting the moon in your chart at the moment of the full moons, it's harmony. It brings about this chill vibe of home or having a good time for no reason other than having a good time. But in certain charts, you'll have people that are having a 90 degree angle between Venus and the moon. So they're moody in relationships or a 90 degree angle between 
Mercury and the mood. So they're moody in the way they communicate. Or Mars and the moon. It can cause violence through moodiness. Wow. Pretty cool. Um, I'm Cloud Lake on CoStar, if y'all want to add me. Absolutely. Let me add you up. I love that app, but there's this part of me that feels like it's a government psyop to make me do shit. <laughs> Sometimes it makes some suggestions that are like, what does this thing want me to do? It sounds like it's like motivating me to commit a crime or something almost. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> I haven't been on, on there yet. So it's like, know. dude, black gloves, broken glass, stolen cars. You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, what? <laughs> Don't talk to police. And slander. It's like, don't follow laws. <laughs> right. It's one of those. I really feel like a lot of that information, because astrology is like a data system. So a lot of government officials or government organizations will use that data like weather. Let's see if we can sway the masses with a little hypnosis today. Let's sprinkle this in on a couple of charts. Well, it's been said that millionaires don't believe in astrology, but billionaires do. Yes. It's yes. also been said that uh, billionaires use psychedelics regularly. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. I mean, I can see how that is. There's been recently a lot of uh, research coming about, about psychedelics and adaptogenics, and there's a lot of um, a laboratories in the UK or in Europe in general that are doing a lot of uh, um, psychedelic research. Excellent. Interesting stuff. You know what I found mo the most interesting lately? What? Is that um, I uh, got sidetracked for a while there. Um, gosh darn, I totally lost my train of thought. Well, I was talking about psychedelics uh, and adaptogens and that UK was doing research into that. Right. And then I, someone, someone texted me and I totally had a brain fart. Yeah. It was the wildest thing. So was, didn't I tell you about that me. yesterday, Ty? Yeah. The full brain fart, like, boop, there it is. Especially when you're getting distracted by other stuff when you're yeah. online. And I'm smoking especially a bowl as well, so that especially, absolutely doesn't help. But in regards, I, mean, I think it's I think it's more oh, the distraction. I remember it now. I have it back. I have it. I've retrieved it. Okay, oh, the most interesting thing that I've learned about psychedelics lately. For a long time, I speculated that these entities that I was interacting with on psychedelics were um external, you know. I'm like there's no way I could have imagined that. Right. You know, um I thought they're potentially angels, demons, gods, extra-dimensional beings, aliens number of things it could have been my mind my mind mind was open um there were some people that did some experiments with this they took a bunch of psychedelics together and they made attempts to communicate with these entities and they started asking these entities questions like um complex math questions right mm -hmm. and the entity would be like oh pff, why would you bother me it's such a boring pointless question like that. Let's go back to your childhood, you know, or let's go back to this or that, or, you know, whatever else it's, in, it's interested in at the moment. And, uh, they would also ask it questions that the person doing the channeling would have no way of knowing. Right. 
mm. and they found that these entities could never really answer those questions, right? Aha. Uh-huh. So this is evidence that these are in fact split personalities or or archetypes built into the human psyche, potentially on a genetic level. Um, who knows? Who knows? It's still a mystery, but the evidence j- does suggest that this is an internal phenomenon, which is a little heartbreaking, I have to admit. But <laughs> at the same well, time, it's nonetheless I interesting. Have, um, I have experiences of uh, entities that are external to us, so they need to start doing that exper- experiment because I have enough evidence otherwise to other ones. Maybe they're not all, but the thing, the problem with it is that they have a similar quality to them and how you experience them because they're in that certain realm of of experience. So it's like um, there are different channels on the television. Some are science fiction channels, some are fantasy channels, some are science channels. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it's depending on what your channel you're tuning in, but you're in that but you're on tel- but you're you're watching television. That's the same thing about it. That's the same medium. So could it be, right? You understand? Could it be that when we're on psychedelics that we are potentially um, flipping through the channels of our junk DNA that's not used, and perhaps it, uh, some of our DNA is actually informational, and maybe I don't, we're actually. I don't know. Um, but I do. Channeling what I'm saying is, of, uh, yeah. What I'm saying is that it's in the same medium. Right. So mm-hmm. but and there's a lot of stuff in the medium that gets picked up that's by you. And it's the it's the way for you to communicate with yourself is in that medium, like how they're talking to these entities. So it's in that medium you're communicating, but there are other things in that medium and you have to sort of weed out what is and what's not. And because it's coming, some of the stuff is coming from you. They're more dominant. Like a connection. Here's, here's what I think. I think that like the like there was a solar entity that I met, and there was also an insectoid entity that I met, and then there was another experience where I looked into the mirror, and I saw myself expressed as an infinity of different kinds of animals. I saw myself as a koala, a grasshopper, a roly-poly, a shrimp, a whale, all these different animals, and then even aliens that I've never seen, like animals I've never seen before. I saw myself expressed as these animals. And so it it leads me to feel like these are ancestral memories that are imbued because we don't know where memory lies. Um, if I'm correct, you know, we, we believe that memory is almost an energetic field that exists out like outside within and without the body. And we don't really know where memory is stored in our brain um it's still a major mystery one of the more interesting mysteries of science and so i think that when you tap into the akashic records or these psychedelic realms that you are essentially accessing the collective memory of potentially all life forms on earth that are within your um genetic lineage so going all the way back to the first life form um, and then everything else that's in your family since then. And this leads me to another interesting point. Uh, this is a really weird one, but you guys seem like the kind of people that are down for this. So we're going to get right into the, the, the darkest <laughs> rabbit hole ever. And I, I dated a girl. She had some Middle Eastern friends 
who practiced uh, marrying their cousins. And when she asked them, like, why would you do that? He says, the reason we do that is to protect family secrets. Mm. And I was like, oh, I mm. see. Interesting. You know, and it, it even. I don't, I don't I, think that there are any secrets lended, that are that worth yeah, it almost lended. I have some sympathy for them. It, 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 it generated some sympathy for the practice for me. I was like, this is actually a very deep thing they're talking about and doing here. This is a very deep energetic work. I don't know how many people, I don't know what secrets they're hiding <laughs> that are worth it. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. I don't think that there are any secrets that worth protecting. It, yeah. But nonetheless, I, I, it, I, I, you know, I had some sympathy for the devil in the moment, we'll say. As a person that has been put up for arranged marriages to distant family relatives, I oh understand. It's, yeah, it's a whole debacle. Of my cousin was in an arranged marriage in Tennessee. Um, not to anyone he was necessarily related to, but um, uh, I've come to gain I thought it was wild. I thought it was really unfair to the girl. Um, I feel like uh, she could have done better on her own, <laughs> even though it's my own cousin, I'm going to say it. You know what I mean? Um, but I can understand the practice in the sense, especially in these super rural small towns in Tennessee, because you want to make sure that no one's kissing their cousin and it's not something they necessarily want to talk about. So I could understand how, you know, why the practice exists. And I think that was actually the purpose of the ancient matchmakers, the women. It was the women who were in charge of matchmaking in a lot of cultures. And I think that's a very sacred practice. Um, and I think it, it leads to some pretty beautiful humans, actually. They, they made sure to kind of mix things up and, and weave things like an heirloom or like a loom, you know, like you would say, like weaving. Uh, mm -hmm. Making sure that we're weaving the genetics like a loom and mixing things up and not allowing for stagnation within the genetic pool, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is that I used to say all the time one of the reasons why I never dated any um, black women is because my sister, because a lot of the cis does reminded me too much of my sisters. That's what and I say so about white girls, dude. I say the same <laughs> thing about white girls. Especially if they have blue eyes. If they have blue eyes, man, they have to be really different in some other way, you know, because blue eyes is like, make me want to like, I feel like, oh, that's just, I, I mean, it, it's it's gross. Even if they're completely, I mean, I I feel like we're from the same tribe. It's too close. It's I, I know exactly yeah. what you mean, man. And Ooh. even my wife, she, um, she looked, she had a lot of features that were similar to me. And so there's a thing about that, about what we're attracted to as well, because and it's and it's not necessarily attraction. It's actually more about familiarity, which is where the, the word family yeah. comes from, because we're familiar. And, we're and comfortable. Fortunately for black people, y'all have a lot of diversity, a lot of a lot of different kinds of black people. Um, yeah, y'all crackers are uh, really, really plain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're real plain. <laughs> and, and I happen to be a good mix. I'm, I'm like a total mutt at this point. So a lot of the white girls really remind me of fam. It, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, 
because they like me. They all like, I mean, there's a lot of white girls that, that are into me and I'm just like, man, girl, we need to get a genetic test before we even kiss, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've, um, yeah, I've had, uh, you know, the interesting thing I was talking to, to Sicily here about that, about how a, a lot of black women tend to be really attracted to me, but then they talk to me and then they're like, okay, they don't want to, they don't, they just sell like my uncle now. You sell like... <laughs> well, yeah. It's just like, they're just, they're not into a lot of stuff. Although some people, it's interesting. It's, um, it's very, very interesting because some people have heard me talking like on my podcast, especially if I'm doing scientific ones and then they just get all, you know, you know, really, really super attracted. Like, Hey, but then, yeah, cause it, cause it's different, but I love, you it, know, man. but yeah, I, I love, love it too. And I, you no know, homo. they call them <laughs> sapiosexuals. You know, they call people sapiosexuals who you're attracted to intelligence. Man, so you I, know, I, I am like one, man, because there'll be yeah. some beautiful women sometimes that I'm with. And it's like, if they can't meet me on my level, it feels like I'm having sex with a kid, even if they're older than me. There's a perfect example of this in my life. I'm not naming no names. And she was beautiful. I'm lucky to have dated her and everything. Um, but she was a little bit old, just a few years older than me, um, but wasn't really ready to rise to my level intellectually and kind of uh, politically and economically and all that kind of stuff, you know, and it felt like I was dating someone much younger than me. And so um, it didn't feel it was, it just wasn't right. You know, as beautiful as she was, I'm much, I love her so much, you know, I can't say a single bad thing about her. Um, and if there was something I could say bad about her, I wouldn't, you know, um, yeah. but uh, she is, uh, yeah, it just didn't feel right. You know, it was the saddest thing, but we had to go our separate ways, you know, just a vibe thing. You know? Sometimes it does. I've, I've run into men like that. When I start speaking on science or anything, astrology, they kind of go blank with the dead fish eyes. And I'm like, you're so cute, but you're so empty. Yeah. <laughs> It's sad. It's tragic, you know, but I'm, I'm at the point in my life now where I'm ready to take on a project, you know, and uh, find someone who's at least willing to learn and then just <laughs> help them help them crack out of their shell a little bit. I think psychedelics help with that a lot. Yeah. Sis, I just sent you um, my weekly uh, um, statistics for my podcast. As you can see, mm -hmm. it's gone up by 476. Because it was going down before. And one of the things that I'm doing, so it's now at 1,850 downloads, which is still low because it was at 3,000 at one time. But I noticed it was because a certain person's podcast who I had on there. I'm going to oh, nice. actually take it off. Damn, is it mine? <laughs> so I do not have your podcast linked to my thing. It's somebody else. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to. Oh, yeah, you don't have the name names. Part ways with you can podcast. totally name that if it's ever me you can totally name my name you know no, it's know. not you I, I haven't used your podcast in my uh unique equilibrium network as of yet but if you have one somewhere you do the, uh, like the daily science podcast so on uh, now is it on through spreaker sorry do you do i mean do you do it through colin the one you're talking about colin yeah i did it on colin and then you posted it on the unique equilibrium network Right, no, I, but I posted on the website, but not yet in the in my actual podcast cast distribution okay, network. Cool. So, now, do you have that? Did you did you toggle no on? Pressure. Yeah, yeah. Listen, but listen. Did you toggle on 
the um, the feature that Colin has to distribute out to Spotify, Apple, and Google? I did, I believe. Okay, good. So then I'm going to go check it out there, and then um, and then I can take the RSS feed and plug it in. But but I'll, I'll check it out. Yet. You know, I honestly don't know if they have yet. So well, I did. They, it does it pretty much automatically. Um, cool. Cicely, did you did you do it? Yeah, you I toggled have... all those on. Okay, so I'm going to check yours and see if it's on there real quick. Yeah, dude, good work. Hakeem, Hakeem, you're one of the biggest doers I know, man. Totally motivated by your action. <laughs> I just have to get stuff done. That's... And I could really use your help. And I was thinking about you just maybe this morning or the other day uh, about uh, starting a dojo. Like, how did you do that? What were the first steps? Like, what? how do you, how did you get the ball rolling? Because that's, well, I feel like the most difficult part for me. Yeah, it's, um, there, there's a lot of, different people involved and so right. one I of the parts I, had, I figured i need to do some networking first and then once i got the network launch yeah one of the biggest um parts of that was just um finding a location and really i, I mean i guess i kind of lucked out because um what happened is that then i ooh, what the heck is this Universal divides, like the clouds parted. And yeah, it's just, I don't even know. It just, it really just popped up for me. And the point, the fact of the matter yeah. was that I didn't have the to, to find the location. It was already here. It was empty. Yeah. Like they don't have people in it during the day. And I was able to strike up a co-op deal where I didn't have to pay a first, last and deposit and all that. But I mean, the first thing, Brady, just like anything else is you have to have the content. Like, do you have a program that you're yeah. going to teach? Because you can just bring that pretty much anywhere and start your business. That's the first thing. Yeah. It's like, what do you have whole, to offer? Uh, how do you say, like a, like a chain or uh, what is it when you do locations in multiple places and they all kind Oh, of right. Yeah, yeah. They call them chains or franchises. Franchise. Yeah, I could franchise it. Yeah. I'm thinking about that, you know? And you might be uh, able to help me with that. You've got you've got the whole thing ready to rock over there, and uh, I've got some solid fucking ideas. <laughs> I think you're gonna dig. I think uh, integrating VR video games with a little bit of training like that would be really fun, in, in, including mm. augmented reality, right? Yeah. And what, what do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. I mean, I've been thinking about doing a lot of virtual stuff. Um, like that as well. Yeah, you got the dojo, so you you know you set up your motion detectors in the corners, yeah. and you pass out the headsets and do what you normally do, kind of in this augmented reality that you're free to modulate however you want. You know, whether it's yeah. laser tag or um, regular tag or boxing points, like an automatically scored uh, sparring system. Mm. You know, put on the gloves and some nice big padded gloves, some nice big soft gloves, and just see how many times you can tap your opponent, you know? Um, dude, the, the, the possibilities are endless. You could uh, have a I mean, field. Pretty I, don't know, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the range is, but long-term, we could extend the range of this technology and play in an open field, right? That's, that's my dream. Well, I will say from astrology standpoint, Make sure Mercury isn't in retrograde. <laughs> yeah, good looking out. Because I'll do that sometimes. Sometimes I'll, I'll I'll step out and ready to do something that I hear something's in retrograde. I'm like, oh. Now, does it matter if other planets are in retrograde or what? What are the retrogrades 
like in other planets and what is the opposite of a retrograde? The opposite of a retrograde is going straight course. So when the planet goes retrograde. Right, would that say be like rising or? No, it's almost as if it stands still. It goes okay. backwards and then it stands still, then it goes forward. And that standstill point is called the shadow period. So it's just coming out of that energy. So when you get to a point where Mercury is in retrograde, Mercury rules technology and communication. So if you're trying to start a communications business or anything technological, it'll be a good yeah. time to just plan during retrograde and then excel afterwards. When Venus is in retrograde, you have to look at things in a reflective way of how we pursue pleasure and what is the pleasure. Tell me, tell me what you think about this, if you don't mind, because you just reminded me of like a memory um, of a time where I felt like the spirit of Mercury instructing me to deliver people to places for free whenever I can, like be like a free taxi for the universe, right? That's Mercury in the ninth or eighth. Um, like I, I just felt like the spirit of Mercury, you know, like yeah. whether it was the planet or the the vibe, but it was like this, you know, quick foot. It was like be like Mercury was the instruction. Like it was like you need to be like the god Mercury, and if someone needs a ride, you give it to them for free. On and don't worry, we'll have your back later. But you're going to be needed for this. Be ready, you know. Yeah. And, um, Okay. That's like Mercury moving through your ninth house. Ninth house is about trips and journeys. And if you have that will to communicate and connect with people through Mercury, and then you give the traveling option of just short trips. Hey, if you need my help, come through. That can be indicative of a sextile or a conjunction. Conjunctions are really sharp angles in a birth chart. So if your natal Mercury, where Mercury was when you were born, crosses into the ninth house in transit in its orbit around us, it pulls a energy of, hey, I got to take action. I got to move this way. So you may have either had a conjunction of mercury and mars or mercury and uranus in your ninth house okay cool interesting but yeah i totally just caught that vibe one night and thank you that's cool that's insightful (laughs) now i can explain how this stuff works on a scientific level are you all ready for this are you all ready to blow all the non-believers away let's see um I, i think i have a handle on the science um subtle energy uh, is effective regardless of the, or it, it's incredibly effective at very low power levels, right? This is how subtle energies work. The, these power levels are barely detectable by the most expensive equipment we can produce, right? And what matters, the important thing about subtle energies is frequency, and harmony and pulse, like timing, all this kind of stuff. This is what matters because that's where the information lies. And so when we get these subtle uh, gravitational waves 
coming from the passing and going of other planets around the sun and whatnot. Uh, and not only that, but the very um, model of our solar system almost models that of an atom. If you think of an atomic shell, how electrons happen to sit at the perfect place in these electron shells around the atoms, right? You can imagine planets exist at these perfect hormonal points uh, from the distance of our sun. When you examine uh, the har uh, harmonious aspects of the interconnectedness of like the gravity waves and everything, um, you find that it's no coincidence that Earth resides at exactly the point where liquid water can exist in our solar system. That's a harmonic point in our solar systems. Um, I mean, think about it. Think about it like this. I think it's, I so think it's a design. Around point. the sun, yeah, uh, there's a, a perfect distance designed. from the sun where liquid water can exist. And liquid water is sticky. Gas is not sticky enough. Ice isn't sticky. Liquid water is sticky. So that perfect point from the sun is naturally where you're going to start to see larger uh, asteroids and chunks of rock and so uh, whatnot uh, condense. And does this make sense now? I hear where you're going with it. I'm still listening. Like, like water is sticky, so that's why Earth is where it's at. Um, so uh, there's a perfect distance away from the sun where water is no longer frozen and it, it melts into a liquid. And then the closer you get to the sun, it starts to turn into a gas. It vaporizes, right? If we right. get too close. And so that perfect little Goldilocks zone is what they call it. Um, where water is liquid just so happens to be exactly where earth coincides. And I say, it's not a coincidence. It's because of the properties of liquid water, that liquid waters are sticky. And so you could say the same thing with Jupiter, Saturn, all the other ones going all the way out that, that, that happened to be a, 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 a Goldilocks zone for maybe a different element or different molecule or different substance that's there. And they're expressing themselves harmoniously and we have like a harmonious relationship with each other all the different planets the sun itself everything in the universe heartbeats everything <laughs> thoughts thoughts heartbeats everything <laughs> muscle movements <laughs> it's all interconnected in a subtle energy field your explanation and that's what your soul is when people talk about your soul or your spirit so you have your body which is your body you have your mind, which is your brain, right? And then you have your soul or your spirit, which is the electrical field that encompasses both your mind and your body, connects the two together, right? That's what your soul is. That's a soul. That's a spirit. That's a scientific definition for a spirit. It's an electromagnetic field that surrounds your body. Simple as that. Every life form has one. Even non-living things have them. Hmm. I see the interconnection of it. There's no such thing as selling your soul. You can't sell your soul. <laughs> you can yeah. only destroy your soul. Your soul can only be destroyed when you die. This is what happens. And then your yeah, soul goes on to become infinite other souls into the future. But that information that was stored within your soul then gets transferred and transmuted into whatever soul eats you next. <laughs> so to say. <laughs> wow. Yep. 
and that's why it's important for us to eat animals and eat, eat each other. And like, <laughs> I think there might be a case for, uh, how do you say, uh, moral cannibalism. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Have, are you all familiar with the experiment, the experiment of, uh, earthworms where they train earthworms to run a maze and then they compare those to earthworms that don't know how to run a maze. And then they take a group of earthworms that have never run the maze before. Half of those worms, they chop up the worms that know the maze and they feed it to them. <laughs> and then they let them run the maze. And guess what happens? Like, but I, I think they were like, I don't know, maybe it was measurable. I want to say somewhere between 10 and 30%, right? Increase in the ability to navigate that maze. But it was me overtly measurable. And anyone can run this experiment at home. There are a lot of experiments I run at home. But yeah, you're right. There are so many things people can do to test different hypotheses mm -hmm. and using the, that they the have. metronome experiment. What's that? Is it a perfect experiment to exemplify harmonic resonance? Mm. Which is another one of those subtle energies okay. phenomenon that we, we talk about. Another is... Uh, Standing wave technology, or uh, what's the term for that? Again? Scalar resonance wave. Um, I talked yeah, about using that to blow up entire planets. Yeah, it's Death Star shit, you know, unfortunately. And so we need to reach a certain level of consciousness and, and being cool and responsible enough as humans before we can really play with that those toys i think well it's already been played with one of the things that i talked about earlier i just did a talk called um uh the um, interplanetary warfare treaty because the technology already exists and so the warfare is being done psychologically because what we're at now we've already reached a point long ago of an understanding of mutually assured destruction so in order to level the playing field the interplanetary species has said we're not going to use these planet busting technologies instead we're going to play mind games and use all of the different technologies otherwise that are there and do other smaller things like abduct humans and do experiments on them and stuff like that. So there's already factions of human beings who are in possession of that technology and very well can destroy other planets, including this one and, and life forms. They have ships that can go to other planets and out of out, inside and outside of the galaxy, but they've decided, Did okay, well, Russia shot down a UFO a couple days ago. No. Russia shot down a UFO a couple days ago. It's on video. They got the video. Well, I'm not surprised because I gave them the technology to do that. <laughs> I'm not. You think I'm joking? Go to uniquelibrium.com. I sold it to the highest bidder. Excellent. <laughs> and this is so, why. What, what was this technology that you? What, 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 what are you talking about here? What you it's, got? It's a. It's um the the first of all the, you have to be able to see. Um, the the um, UFOs to shut them down, and right. and you have to be able to um, you have to be able to tune into them to get it. So it's it's called the Metatron rep weapon. Um, it's all over uniquelibrium.com. So if you just go and and look up, there's several series about the Metatron weapon for for attacking aliens and knocking down their ships and stuff like that. And so it's no surprise that this is the first time that we've heard of a country shooting down a UFO after I published it. Okay, well, how does this Metatron weapon work? I, you know what? I don't like to repeat so much of this stuff. It's already there. And it's documented. <laughs> I'll check it out. And, I'm into it. Yeah. But it's, um, it's all there. 
I'd imagine similar to a Rife machine. Uh, well, Rife machine is just one of the very many different types of frequency machines used. I mean, Royal Raymond Rife was one who did it. Holder Reger Clark used another one. L. Ron Hebert had something else in his possession, but he didn't know what it was. Um, Otto Sankey in, in Arizona State University has another one in their hands. A couple of scientists in India are using um, them. Um, doctors all over the world are using uh, um, something called shockwave um, therapy. So they're all related. Mm -hmm. It's just that they don't know what they're, they're in possession of necessarily. A Jewish friend of mine taught me the shake meditation. Are you all familiar with that? No. No. Um, he taught me, and this is a pretty wise guy, um, really cool cat, uh, and closest thing to the real Jesus I've ever met in my, real, in my life, <laughs> right? And, uh, I mean, he just looked like one of those sand, like a total hippie, you know, like, like a, like a guru kind of guy. And he taught me that. Were you going to say sand nigger? No, not at all. <laughs> I was trying to think of the right word, uh, but, uh. Yeah, just Jesus. He's a very Jesus figure. He, he's Jewish. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say Jewish, but I was like, uh, I'm not going to say Jewish. I'm not going to call him out like that, but he is Jewish and like he lives in Israel. He spent time in the Jewish military, the whole thing, went to rabbinical school. He's like, an or he, he is a rabbi basically. Right. And, um, he taught me the shake meditation. This is the important part. Um, and you know how sometimes when you, hold your foot on the ground and lift your ankle up, your whole leg starts to shake. Yeah. Are you all familiar with that like, kind of nerve reaction? It Even people be. with disabled leg, with leg disabilities, people who are paralyzed in the legs, they can activate this on its own. It's like an automatic response in the leg. And if you learn to like train it and actually, if you, if you feed it, if you kind of lean into it and allow it to happen and encourage it to happen, while you're standing um, and essentially let your heels bounce off the ground, like let your heels kind of slam into the ground very lightly, just a little bit, and just enough to generate like a, a shock wave in your body, right? Essentially, that's what you're doing. You're trying to make your whole body vibrate in like a rhythmic way. And he says you can really kind of activate your Kundalini like that. And it does something. You know, I've I spent some time doing it. I, I've been actually practicing it on my own since I was a kid, never really realizing that it was a meditative practice. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about that. And it helps out a lot as a drummer. <laughs> Could be why I'm such a good Well, drummer. I've never done it, but, you know, I play double bass pretty well. There you go, man. Yeah, then you're familiar with the technique, yeah. And, yeah, feed it. Feed it, dude. Go, lean into it while you're standing up. And uh, tell me if it. Tell me if you come come up with anything like that. Yeah. We'll uh, I also it. had a 30, 30 second degree Freemason instruct me that anytime I'm meditating, it's helpful to have a one hundred foot radius around my body, completely clear of trees, walls, nothing. You, the ideal place is a desert. That's why they tell you to go into the desert when you need why is um, that? guidance. Because or a football field might work well enough. You know. Why is that? Um, because you have an energy field, your spirit, your, your, your electromagnetic field that I mentioned earlier extends about a hundred foot in every direction around your body, right? Yeah, but Brady, see, a lot of stuff you're talking about, Brady, I can't really get on board with because a lot of stuff is limited to, to things that are measurable. 
by a lot of by by um phys- on the physical scale which we consider yes. to be physical which the thing is the, here's the problem with that is that there are things that are measurable in other ways and that we don't have when we're talking about electromagnetic it's a, that's a very even though we first of all we're limited to Roy G Biv right and then we have equipment that can detect anything from radio waves microwaves infrared then we have ultraviolet gamma rays and x-rays right but that's the extent of human perception through machines right and th- but there's the other what's that that's just the spectrum of light right that's the spectrum of light then we have also we have between 20 and 20,000 um the hertz of of sound which humans can hear and then beyond that we mm-hmm. can detect it sound waves um but here's All the here's the one thing here's one thing that physics is going to come to to understand very soon and i've already predicted this because um gra- if you're talking about gravitational waves um there's this whole problem that physics has about gravity and they're missing something and you know about the the dark energy and all the stuff they talk about what's expanding the universe that's gravity it's like the opposite of gravity right it's yeah it's, yes. it's the polar opposite of gravity yeah right right so it happens on a, it happens when you're far away so as opposed to being close right so yeah. it is expanding the galaxy and and yeah. kind of bringing thing it's kind of creating echo chambers so to say isn't it Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Cicely, we we've kind of gone far off the astrologia and historians. What are you What are you up to? Well, we're into the the physics of astrology now, which I think is right. pretty cool. I just I want to check in with her. It's her show. <laughs> I'm actually just listening in because there's a lot of interesting concepts going on, and it's a lot of the comparisons. I'm just running through the astro mindset. How dark matter and expansive spaces move throughout time and space. So we're moving time and space. It's almost as if we drift off into the realm of the darker side of astrology. The I, got, un- I got a funny physics joke about time travel. If y'all want to hear it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. It goes like this. It's, it's cool. It's like a. Uh, this guy finally successfully made a time machine it finally worked and the second he uh went back in time like say like a year to 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 get the, to steal his girl or save his girlfriend's life or something like that he realized he didn't calculate how the 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 earth is traveling through space at like multiple miles an hour and the earth was far gone he just ended up in empty space <laughs> like there's a problem with time time travel right there is like not only do you have to travel in time but you would also have to travel to the location where the earth was at that time. Like <laughs> does that make sense? No, say that, explain that again. Let's hear that. So, you know how our our sun is traveling through the galaxy, you know, I'm not sure how fast it's going, but it's is moving, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh if someone were to create a time machine and it were to finally work, they would probably end up in empty space and the earth would be like light years away <laughs> so there's another big problem with time travel hmm very interesting 
Now, there are ways to travel in time that don't involve traveling, traveling physically, as I'm sure we're all aware, right? And that is a possibility. There are multiple ways of traveling in time uh, in the non-physical realms. Multiple different ways to do it. More than one way to skin that cat. But what's the problem with physical time travel? Because I don't, I don't still see one. Location, 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 location. Because mm-hmm. not only do you have location. to travel to the to the moment in time, but you have to travel to the location of that moment in time. If that makes sense yeah. that you're going for. Mm-hmm. So you would have to teleport at the same time that you're tra- time traveling. It can't. I'm not saying it can't be done, but there's a second part of the equation that a lot of people leave out when they talk about time travel (laughs) and it's kind of funny (laughs) well um i actually that's been addressed um in a lot of time travel in science fiction and other places where they have even in the late in the avengers movie um and uh end game they had a location specific by coordinates as well as um a time i feel like there's a really good joke in there somewhere but i haven't quite pulled it out of my head yet, <laughs> but I, I think it's funny. The idea of some guy making a time machine and then ending up in the vacuum of space. <laughs> like, like it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would suck, but or you could do it in a, a spacecraft. You could, you could time, you could time travel the whole spacecraft, like, like have a spacecraft ready and then launch the spacecraft into the past and then travel to the destination. Well, that's why the, um, so look, you're, you're, the, the the universe, space is the thing that's moving, right? So yeah, your time machine would also have to be a spacecraft. Right. You have to be both. Interesting concept. I've never seen that played out in any time machine movies or anything. But I again, I'm Avengers Endgame, man, they over they had suits. Oh reason. man, I haven't I haven't or seen that yet, man. There's a reason why they had those suits. They were they were in complete suits that dealt with all of that, the traveling right. through space and time and so, dealing with the quantum realm. Now, even there's a lot of flaws in that, in the theories and what they came up with and some of the things they said, a lot of that was cool. already so addressed cool. though. But it's like a time traveling Gundam, huh? I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes. So I don't, I don't really know Gundam, but the only thing that comes oh, to mind Gundam is maybe wing? they were, they were wearing suits like pilots. Like the mobile suit? Yeah, I don't familiar with like mechs, mobile suits. No, I've never. I don't. I'm not into. I'm not into it. I've never watched it. Ooh, dude, check out Gundam Wing. You might love it, dude. I think you might love Gundam Wing because it's a really good. Some point in time in the future, I don't make time for that. I know. I don't. I don't blame you. Yeah. Sometime. Sometime you can watch it while you're training. Basically, (laughs) the games are really good. Uh, I don't know if you fuck with uh, PlayStation Two. But no, there's a mobile suit I Gundam. Don't. Oh man, uh, oof, some good games. Uh, but yeah, Gundam Wing was awesome. It was like the Attack on Titan of the '90s. <laughs> I don't want to get too distracted in anime, but I, I am thirsty for good anime and good sci-fi. <laughs> and I will check out Ender's Game. That sounds dank. Well, the original sci-fi was astrology yes yes and even when people get astrology wrong i still think it's kind of cool 
you know, it's like a myth or mythology, you know, like a cool story, you know? Yeah. It's if you were here, oh, I don't think you were here yet. It is an explanation system to astronomy. It's like for regular people that don't have the mathematician knowledge, it's a way of explaining it to people like stories or how Metaphors. Metaphors of astronomy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love astronomy and I love astrology just as much. I think they're two sides of the same coin. They're both equally pertinent. And um, yeah, the, the astronomy is just the science aspect of astrology, the scientific aspect. And astrology is kind of the emotional um psychological aspect of astronomy which science has not yet discovered yet but it's coming close <laughs> actually they've discovered it but they just don't let the the muggles talk about it they don't want the muggles talking about it too much <laughs> it'll bring too they know exactly what's up <laughs> it'll bring way too much validity to it but it's a data system it's a data system of stored up stories to help explain it to regular people yeah, or, or to explain it um, before we're able to explain it scientifically, which uh, they're actually pretty damn close on a lot of things, surprisingly, uh, that without any of the super fancy equipment that we're using now to just rediscover this information. You know, so that's what's really cool about all this. It's like, wow, they knew back in the day they were able to they were able to tell without the equipment. They 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 figured it out, you know. Um, yeah, which is just, yeah. too, it, it, it lends to the, it, it, it's proof of our psychic powers of the psychic abilities of humans. It's, it's, it's living proof in, in history, all throughout history. I mean, it's staring us in the face and we haven't just quite put the pieces together yet, but this Lee, you should be getting I your have. book like on damn close. <laughs> okay. Tuesday it is. Woohoo! There's a journal called Moon Magic and Mindfulness. So, Cicely, check this out. We have we have to talk. Um, uh, how much more do you want to do this? I think that we should um, cut soon, but I need to have a conversation with you about some stuff. Okay. Well, I said I was going to do about an hour and thirty minutes today. We're a little bit over. Huzzah! Good time to wrap it up. I recommend yeah. checking out the Museum of Tarot if you've not checked this guy out. Um, he is, yeah, you guys asked about my mentors and my teachers earlier. This guy is my main teacher when it comes to all a lot of this information. He's the only other person I've ever known who knew about Dr. Michael Persinger outside of maybe Hakeem and this girl I, I dated. Um, and so you know, it's like three people that a I couple know. years ago. Yeah, unfortunately, that. I was hoping he'd make it on the Joe Rogan experience before that happened, man. I was yelling at Joe Rogan on Twitter for a while, like, get this guy on. No one heard me. <laughs> well, they heard. But, they just suppressed it. Well, you know, it's on Twitter, so it's out there still. But uh, uh, that's the cool thing about Twitter. It's like it's out there. It's proof that I was trying to get him on <laughs> yeah. somewhere. This is one person. But uh uh, yeah, man, only three people I've ever met in my whole life who, who know who the guy is without me telling about him. And that's you, this uh, neuroscientist I dated, and um, 
this guy from Museum of Tarot whose name still remains a fucking mystery. Like, it's not on this website. I can't find it on this website. Maybe I'm just lazy. I don't know, but it's strange. Uh, I think he, maybe he's doing it on purpose. I, if he is, he's doing a damn good job. And I think he's a, a good example of an, an internet anonymity. But of course, there's facial recognition technology. There should be a way to track him down. <laughs> maybe. maybe Hakeem can do that. That's a mission. That's homework I got for you, Hakeem. If you can find this guy's name, I would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, um, maybe I'll look into it. I'm not, I'm not so ex- motivated in that direction to track him down, but I'll look into the museum. Oh, you will be once you it. once you see his material. You will be. You, I'm like Yoda right now. You will be. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking Jedi mind trick me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Museum of Tarot. You guys won't regret it. He's on YouTube and TikTok. Hmm. Hmm, okay. Ten four. Well, yes, it's about. That's a good way to wrap it up right there. 140. Well, we have one more guest. Let's wrap it up. We'll we'll, we'll hang out again later. Yeah, Hakeem needs you for a a conversation. It's Shardle. He's got got plans. I, I trust his plans. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Let's see what Shardle has to say. I just want to get what are what what's your what's your guy's zodiac sign? Well, I'm an Aries. And I'm a Virgo, sir. Uh, what 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 are the like qualities of like your zodiac sign? Because normally, like they have like, if you look up what they have, they normally have like certain qualities of whatever zodiac sign you have. Like if you're a Leo, you have some special things to that zodiac sign. Yeah. yeah. In birth charts, there are 24 placements that make up the whole personality. So with just the sun sign, you get a glimpse into the very bare bones. As an Aries, I can tend to be very gung-ho, very Mars-like, and very much into action. But a caveat on that is my son, Aries, is in the 12th house, which is the darkest point. It's not in the point where it's supposed to be. So I give up a calmer vibe versus a true to the bone Aries with their son higher up in the houses. So for me, I'm a Leo and my mom and dad are also Leo. So that's my wow. zodiac sign. So like that, never, like that's kind of like that never happened to me that your mother and your father are the same zodiac sign and you're the same one. So basically you all, you know, have the same zodiac sign. Has that ever happened to you guys or you've never had that happen to you where, you know, you're like you were the same Zodiac sign and then your son was the same Zodiac sign as you were or that never happened to you? Like you never had that. It's kind of unusual for that to happen to My daughter and her father both are Sagittarius rising. Well, my wife was also probably would have had a verbal of the Christian God. I mean, that's like, that's, that's, a, that's like a one in 100 type of chance that you, your family members have the same zodiac sign as you do. It, it's not very common. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it could happen. People are not saying that you can have the same zodiac sign as your, as your relatives, you know, or your family members or somebody closely related to you, maybe like a cousin or a brother or sister. 
Yes, because a lot of times the joke that I like to make about astrology is February relations make Scorpios and Sagittarius. So if you copulate around the same time every year, you'll have a bunch of Sagittarius and Scorpios. So when you look, so when you look at um a Leo, they say that Leos are more attracted to Scorpios and Aquarius. That also depends on the other twenty three placements in the chart, and Venus is a big factor in attraction. So in the links above, we I have a list of apps and websites that can give you a free birth chart reading, and what you would need to know is your birth date, location, and if you don't know the time, but you know you were born in the daytime, you would put 12 p.m. And if you do, if you're born in the nighttime, it will be 12 a.m. And that will give you a full chart. The big three that you want to look out for for basic personality and appearance is the sun, the moon, and the rising, often called the ascendant. called areas like is that like were you always prefer to for that to be your zodiac sign like you know to go by that so anybody when they ask you what your zodiac sign is you'll say my zodiac sign is aries well it just depends on the person because in traditional astrology the oldest form of astrology your rising sign was the one that was presented to people i am a taurus rising so Let's say in the 1600s and 1500s, I would be considered a Taurus, not an Aries. Uh, oh, I think we- about Leo hmm? is that it's it's associated with the Nemean lion. I think that's from Greek mythology or Roman mythology or one of those mythologies. I'm not really sure which one. Mm-hmm. That's what it's associated with. So. Like they're, they're like I re- that's why I like looking at different zodiac signs and finding out what what you know they're associated with or what um are the qualities of that zodiac sign because every zodiac sign is different. Like Leo might have some different qualities to that. Aries might have some different stuff to it. It's just I just love look like that's just that's just something I'm interested in. I just like researching all the different zodiac signs. Um. Okay, well, if you come back, we're about to sign off for today, but if you use the links in the chat box right now or the links up top, you can get your chart pulled up completely, and tomorrow I'll be back around the same time I'll be on at 5, and we can discuss your chart. Zodiac signs, I'm Hindu, like that's my, uh, uh, like I'm Indian, so we believe a lot in astrology like that's kind of part of us we believe in astrology um, we look at the sun the moon the stars that's just something that our our nationality we really believe in astrology and astrological signs and stuff like that that's just something we're indian so we we really believe in astrology that's kind of like part of like part of our history we really believe have a lot of do with astrology and stuff like that
Yeah. So come back tomorrow at five so we can do a really good in-depth chart reading. Yeah. But uh, I'm hmm. happy that I just popped into your room for a little bit just to talk for a little bit, not too long, just to um, talk with you guys. And I'll I'll be back maybe uh, maybe tomorrow or maybe some other day when you uh, open up open up the same room. And uh, I'll if I'm not like busy, I'll just pop into your room for a little bit. We can uh, we can uh, talk a little bit. We'll be Thank here. Thank you, Shadal. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, I just because I wanted to just pop in here a little bit because I don't I wasn't here and I just wanted to because you were about to end the room, so I didn't want to come in the wrong time and when you're about to end the room. It's okay. I appreciate you. Yeah. yeah so. Good to hear from you. Yeah, so I'll I'll come in I'll I'll um I'll join you next time and we can go in an in depth of 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 the reading of all the zodiac signs. Most definitely, and I appreciate you stopping by. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. You do this. See ya later. All right, so this has been astrology with Sicily and Hakeem. My absolutely. Awesome co-host. We got a sign. Hey, hey. Hmm? hey, hey.